So, as it turns out, at the beginning of every time when I hit record, yeah, there's that, and so I can never tell if I'm listening to the right recording. That's one of the first things I do. <laughs> that's, 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 I'm like, no, that she didn't do that this time. She did that last time. Nope, you do it every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Y'all, because I love it. Right. Hello, and welcome to Three Friends in a Book. I'm Holly. I'm Janine. And I'm Caroline. Oh, man. What we do around here is we read a bunch of books. We talk about it. We learn. Just try to be better people, y'all. It's good to be together again. It is good mm-hmm. to be together. Missed y'all. Without school being in, in session, we don't see each other that often. It's true. Um, so this episode, we, for this episode, we read Anything is Possible by Elizabeth Strout. But before we jump into the book, y'all... We have our first review. Super excited. I was super excited when Janine texted us and said that we had a we had a review. So I'm gonna read that. So Susan from Memphis gave us five stars. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Susan. Susan. And this is what she said. Glad you like us. For folks who love books, insightful commentary and funny too. Great for all those readers out there. Oh, that's sweet. So don't forget, listeners to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Again, we don't really know why. It's just fun. Just do it. Five stars. <laughs> um, so, uh, Elizabeth Strout, Janine. So, I was going to tell you a little bit, just a tiny little bit of background, Elizabeth Strout. So, she has several books. She won um, the Pulitzer Prize for Olive Kittredge, which is a series of interconnected stories um, uh, similar to the book that we've just read and another book, um, My Name is Lucy Barton, which is very much connected in the same universe as Anything is Possible. She has, um, well, Olive Kittredge was made into an HBO miniseries and Frances McDormand played Olive Kittredge and it won four Emmys. And um, her other novel, The Burgess Boys, from what I understand, is currently being turned into um, a a movie or miniseries for HBO. And Elizabeth Strout grew up in a small town in Maine. And so in an an interview I read with her said that she feels um, like she knows these kind of characters. And since anything is possible, jumps off from Lucy Barton so much. Um, She also said in that interview that Lucy Barton reminded her of, or she got the idea from Lucy Barton from a kid that was in her class as a, as a, when she was young and that kid, uh, the teacher said to that kid, you are so poor, you can't even afford soap. And she saw this kid's shame and it stayed with her her whole life. And that is where Lucy Barton jumped off from. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know she was from Maine. I've been reading a little bit about Maine the past couple of weeks. Can just you believe of, a teacher would say that to a kid? Yeah. It's, crazy. it's terrible. Unbelievable. Um, interesting that she's from Maine. Um, so, that, yeah, that makes sense because when we look at, at what this book is about, so I'm not going to really give a summary per se, but when Elizabeth Strout was writing Lucy Barton, one of the things that happens in Lucy Barton is a lot of it is co- our conversations between Lucy and her mom, right? And they talk about all these people from their hometown in Illinois, because that's where a lot of this book is going to take place and and where Lucy Barton takes place. Um, And as she was writing Lucy Barton, she kind of said, all these characters that I'm mentioning, of course, they have stories. And she wanted to write the stories of those those characters that are in Lucy Barton. 
Barton. So writing those stories became very important um, to her. So the book reads like it's a bunch of little essays about all these different people. Each of these characters have um, a chapter. And so they're all connected in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through connections to the town of Amgash, Illinois, um, whether they are brothers and sisters, whether they're cousins, whether they have dated somebody who's from that town. So they all have some type of of connection. And so each chapter reads like an, an essay and she develops those characters. It's fun to um, figure out how each character is connected, connected to yeah. someone else. I mean, that's, you know, makes the, makes the book a, a bit of a mystery along the way. Yeah. Cause some, you know, a character that you might see in the first chapter might show up five chapters later. I, fi- I found myself kind of going back to make sure that I remembered who they were and what their connection was. And that was kind of neat. And that may be part of her technique that makes us feel like we know these characters so well. Those those little hints that we get from other people and how though how one person sees another person or what facts a character knows about another character and then later on you get to that character and you you feel a little bit like you know them. Yeah, I really enjoyed that and I think that- I, I like thinking of it that way because then the character either kind of lives up to what people think, you know, these little facts that you've had before, or you more often, I think than not, you, um, they don't, the, the facts, you know, they ring true, but then she develops this whole person that's so much more than what people think on the surface. Um, I love her style. I really enjoy um, the way she develops character. I don't know that I've read a better author in a long time in terms of the way she develops character. Um, and I've been trying to put my finger on exactly what it is about her style that I that I love so much. And I, I'm not sure I can name it completely, but it has something to do with the detail that she chooses to develop these characters. She's so careful to avoid cliché. Um, you know, the, I just, I just was reading, um, George Orwell's politics in the English language because some of my students are reading it this summer. And, um, of course, one of the things he's talking about there is, uh, in that essay is lazy language being lazy with our language. And I feel like, um, Elizabeth Strout is, you know, the antithesis of being lazy, whereas some authors, and it's so easy to develop a character by describing him or her in a way that everyone's already familiar with, um, you know, and you get this kind of surface level, just cliche, very generic kind of understanding of who this person is. And of course, her books are all about who people really are at their core. Yeah. So she peels away layers with all of this. You know what? When you look at it, it's really just minutia, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. the way someone, you know, might look down at her own hand and I don't know, you know, see a hangnail and then pick at it during a conversation because she's nervous or um, the way another character notices the dirt in his own home yeah. while mm-hmm. he's sitting and talking to his siblings. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I, I enjoy her, you know, intentional inclusion of the minutia of life, which is which actually is what makes life. You know, when when you strip away the cliche and the stereotypes and the, you know, what people think they know about somebody. Yeah. Um, And you get down to all of these. I don't know the thoughts that the characters think. Mm -hmm. Um, How would you describe 
the way she does that. I don't even, I don't even know. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I was wondering if, if there, if there are literary, if, if I knew a, a word for a literary device for what she does, <sighs> I don't. I don't know it, but I don't either. Um, but I, but I do love it. She is, she is a favorite of mine. Um, when we think about what character to really start with, I think we have. I think it's as good of places as good a place as any to start with Tommy, because he's he's chapter one. Yeah, and she feels you. So you don't you don't have to have read. My name is Lucy Barton to make sense of this book. Now that it's, there are certainly things in it that are helpful for people who have read My Name is Lucy Barton. Uh-huh. But she goes back and explains that Tommy is the janitor at, at Lucy Barton's school. Mm-hmm. And, and Lucy Barton has a lot of um, good feelings towards Tommy. She remembers that he let her stay in the school long past time when school was out so that she could be warm because lucy barton would be like that child that Mm -hmm. um, elizabeth strout talked about Mm -hmm. that she knew growing up in maine like they were that poor right and dirty that lived in a garage Mm -hmm. and for a good long time um without heat and all that kind of stuff um and tommy i mean we jump right in and i think that so much of this book is about regret and shame and what you do with it. And mm-hmm. Regret and shame being part of the human condition and just how you respond to it and how each character responds to it. And the people who love us, even when they know about that, yeah. that stuff. I think it's about finding people who, friends, lovers, Children, people who love you, even though they know all of all of the terrible things that you've done, because we've all done terrible things. Yeah. Um. And so, just a very few pages into the book, on page twenty-seven. Oh, I have that dog-eared right here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Tommy kind of um tell tells us right there. So he is talking to Lucy Barton's brother who he has stopped by to see. Um, he checks on him every now and again. He lives alone. His parents are dead. His sisters have uh, are, are not around. Um, and so there's a line that says, the struggle, did you say, between doing what we should do and what we shouldn't do? And then Tommy replies just a little bit later. And so there's a struggle or a contest, I guess you could say, all the time, it seems to me. And remorse, well, to be able to show remorse, to be able to be sorry about what we've done that's hurt other people, that keeps us human. Tommy put his hand on the steering wheel. That's what I think, he said. That's what I had pulled up to. And I just... just, That's it. I love Tommy. Mm -hmm. I love him so much. Yeah. I think that that captures the essence of of the book, without a doubt. And Lucy Barton's brother's sister, or or Lucy Barton's brother, in the next line there, my father showed remorse. He's what you're talking about in one person, the contest. And if you go back to Lucy Barton, I mean... He's terrible. He did some pretty terrible things. Particularly to his son. I mean... um, Because we don't... One of the questions I think we had when we read Lucy Barton is, did he abuse 
abuse him? Mm-hmm. Was he abused as a child? Like physically, sexually abused? And we don't know that for sure. Um, and so for, you know, Pete to Pete or Peter. Yeah. Pete to say that about his, about his dad, um, is pretty, pretty, ama- pretty, pretty amazing. What amazing grace that yeah. is. And I, I think that's another, <laughs> another theme of the book is the idea of, of grace too, of, of, you know, and I think that's what you said earlier of, of knowing, you know, something about somebody that's so, you know, terrible or shameful or something that they can't even help. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and accepting them and loving them for, for, for who they are. Um, and realizing again, I guess this goes back to what you were saying about people not being cliches, Caroline, that people are not one thing. We always try to make a bad guy mm-hmm. and, and people are not one thing. And I think we see that in so many of the characters in this book. Yeah. Cause we see them as adults, but then we learn more about them as, as kids or in their past and how events in their lives shape them to be who they are. Um, like the Barton father and then Charlie later on, one of the things we learn about them that really impacted them as adults was their experience in Vietnam and what war did to them, what happened in Vietnam and what they, that the horrors that they saw over there, how it, um, I mean, really messed them up and they were, and they needed some type of help. Um, and it, you know, for Pete and Lucy's dad, you know, we could say that the PTSD from Vietnam caused him to be this terrible, make terrible choices. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Janine, you made a face. What do you think about that? I was wondering if it was Vietnam with Lucy and Pete's dad. Maybe it was World War Two. Because Charlie he, was Vietnam. Yeah, Charlie's Vietnam, and their dad shoots people on the street that's where his big shame comes from Mm -hmm. yeah and for some reason i was thinking it was world war ii okay probably because lucy is charlie's age right so it's probably world war ii um but really understanding that about the dad and understanding that about charlie um and what they and what they need Mm -hmm. um and the kind of of acceptance that they need whether it was charlie and his wife saying you know, if you, whatever that you need to do, you, you need to go and you need to drive two hours for therapy. And that what he did, even though he really wasn't going well, to therapy. Therapy. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, I did, I thought that was a really good, that to me was one of the better quotes of the book about showing remorse, being able to say you're sorry. So up to now, we've kind of just given the basics of the book and you could listen and just go read and, and not be spoiled. But I feel like if, we, as we get into more background of the characters, it'll, it'll all, it'll be spoiler filled from here. So you'll want to read before you listen to the, to the rest of this. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and also going back to Tommy, uh, one of the things I thought was just going the whole idea of acceptance and grace that his backstory was they owned this huge dairy farm mm-hmm. and it burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. And he had this vision that came to him that night that like God came to him and mm-hmm. this was supposed to happen. And he kept that inside of him for decades. Right. And told him everything was going to be okay. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. And he never told his wife that Well, he never told anybody. He told Pete first and then he came home and he told his wife and his wife was like, 
I think he thought maybe his wife would think he was crazy. Like, I can't tell her that. That's crazy. She'll think I'm crazy that God came to me in this um, vision. And she completely accepted him for um, for telling her about, about that. Um, which, again, just... I like that idea of something that we think of our, in ourselves that is shameful, that if we just spoke it and just told somebody that we loved, um, what might happen, what acceptance might happen and what relief might happen in that. Uh, yeah, I agree. That struck me. Um, and I'm, I'm going to see if I can make a connection here. The, what struck me most about that is that he did that. He told Pete to, to help Pete. It was a, it was a completely selfless act. It was something that he did not, did not want to share. Um, you know, in fact, he, he says, um, one of the passages that I, you know, I liked is he's, when he's telling Pete and he's telling Pete that he never, he hasn't ever told anyone else. He says, I guess there are some things in life we don't tell others. Um, you know, and, and Pete, um, you know, is, is kind of struck by that. And, and so that's a selfless thing. You know, he goes and he's sad. It makes him sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, he does it for Pete and he's happy to do it for Pete, but that was, that was his thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it makes him sad to tell it. And I felt like even when he told his wife and she reacted the way she reacted and that surprised him in a good way, he was still sad. I expected him to come back. I I really expected something very bad to happen to him mm-hmm. since he had since he had given that, you know, given that up. But I want I was going to try to make a connection to um, you know, there is there's as you guys have already said, tons of grace and forgiveness in the book. I feel like in the end it's kindness. Just kindness. And so like grace and forgiveness and all those other words would fall under maybe the umbrella of kindness mm-hmm. um, that anyone who's saved, that's how he or she is saved with kindness. That, that, that seems to be the thing. And it looks there. She gives us lots of different examples of kindness, which I think is really cool mm-hmm. um, in the book. And she, you know, she talks later about um, how, um, Okay, you guys are going to have to help me with the plot here. But so there's the woman whose husband, um, Linda, um, I don't know, is gets um, another woman pregnant when he's gone and she comes back with the baby. The woman comes back with the baby and um, remember, she tells it's like a truly Christian story. Dottie's telling the story and she she talks about how. like the woman comes with the baby, the the first wife lets him leave. He goes and lives with the woman he impregnated, raises that child, um, and then um, and then um, he dies, and then she moves in or lets them move in with her and mm-hmm. helps raise this kid. And he and she said even to this day she was paying for that kid's college. Is that Shelley? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Um. It might be, yeah, it might be. I think it is. Maybe. Oh, she's talking about the Reader's Digest. That's what it is. Say, it's, it's an article she read. It's an article it, yeah. she read. Right, right, right. 
And so my my whole my where I was trying to go with that is she just she is so dumbfounded at the end of that story. She says the woman just forgave everybody. She and and then she says that that um you know she remembered the story. Dottie was remembering the story and said she came to understand that people had to decide really, had to decide how they were going to live. Yeah. You know, and that forgiveness of course that back to that same old idea that it's a choice yeah. mm-hmm. that you know th- i mean her argument in this book is that you have to make it yeah. because otherwise life is just suffering it's just misery and suffering like if we think about to me one of the interesting contrasts about choice and childhood and, and decisions that people have to make is um patty nicely and her sister linda and the contrast between those two women who came from the same home that um, the pretty nicely girl, the pretty nicely girls, pretty nicely yeah. girls. Um, and how Patty, the, the uh, really showed grace to that kid who was so nasty to her. Lila, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, because Patty was, yeah. she was a, a widow and she was rather large and all the kids called her fatty Patty. Right. And this girl Lila came in who was, from just again going back to what you said about the kid from Maine who couldn't afford soap, just a really uh, poor family. But she was super smart and could go to college. She was Lucy's niece. She was Lucy's niece, yeah. And um, and Patty was like, "You can do this." And the girl was like, "You're just fat. people call you just mean and hateful." And how Dottie, you know, or Patty went home and thought about it and was like, "You know what?" That kid's got issues. That kid's come from a rough house. She's poor. Nobody's probably ever paid her any attention. And so she called her back into the office and said, you're not filth. What I called you and what, because when Lila said those terrible things to her, Patty, the guidance counselor, responded in just equally mean, terrible things. And the more Patty thought about it, she's like, you're not filth. You're a person. You're a human being. And I'm going to help you. I wish we could find that, but like, isn't it that she calls her sister, um, talk about the contrast. She calls her sister and her sister just kind of blows it off. It's like, she deserves it. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like that conversation with her sister is what triggers her to change her mind. I'm not sure if I'm remembering that correctly, Mm -hmm. but, um, she hears someone, you know, who's clearly made the different choice Mm -hmm. and she, she hears the, uh, what's the word? The, the. I don't the know judgment, the, 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 the shame, or yeah, and and she's carrying around her own, right? Oh, I mean, Lord. she was abused as a child, and isn't she the character who she and her husband didn't have sex because he had been abused and she had been abused, or she hadn't been abused? She'd she, heard her mother. She saw her mother, yes, um, and the and her, her in the Spanish bed. teacher yeah, that's in, right. in bed with her Spanish teacher. Yeah. That's right. And so she, so sex for her was always very tainted mm-hmm. and something she couldn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then her husband had been abused. Mm-hmm. And so they had chosen to, to, you know, not have sex. And they were both very happy. And that's what Lila. That. And that's what Lila caught her out on. Like nobody knew that for sure, but they just assumed that about her, that nobody wants to sleep with you. You and your husband, y'all didn't have sex, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Patty just, you know, that was a truth that hurt. And she just responded with just equal meanness. And then talking to her sister was like, you know what? I've got to help this kid out. And I really like that part of it. It's mm-hmm. interesting that I, th- I thought that she th- thought that she would get some comfort from her sister because you, you feel like you should. Uh-huh. Right. And then she calls her sister and her sister is just 
not helpful to her at all. And that's just, it's the, there's a sadness in their relationship, I think that, um, yeah, because for Linda, and there's a quote that I'll, I'll put down from the Linda chapter is that Patty saw the whole thing happen. Like she knew exactly what was going on, but Linda came home and the quote is she came home from school and found her mother gone thinking she had been an important, she had been important and loved all along. And then her mom just bailed out. And from that moment on, Linda, you know, if we think about the divergent paths of the two sisters, you know, Linda, Linda is... So the Linda God. chapter... She's married to a sexual predator and abuser named Jay, and she covers for him. It's That uh, that was a very tough yeah. section for me. Um, I, I, I kept trying to figure out what, what it was all about. So they... <laughs> she There's actually... This is almost too much to the point where she says the line something like people so at the end of the linda chapter she says something like well people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones or something and she actually lives Lives in in a a glass glass house house where (laughs) there are cameras everywhere yeah and they live in this house in this town where there's a photography festival that comes and all these artists come and And they host guests and and then they watch them yeah it's just weird it's terrible it's very and she covered, like, so much so that she, her daughter, call, like, knows exactly what her dad is. And the girl that she's good friends with in town who hosts this festival knows what Jay is. And they both call her out on it. Um, and she first tries to cover and say that she didn't know about her husband. And one of the quotes that I found was funny that Karen Lucy said to her was, don't go pissing down my back and then tell me it's raining outside. <laughs> like, don't tell me you don't know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the daughter said to her. And she's so... Uh, just broken that she just she covers for her husband who is obviously got major issues she doesn't want to be left that's for sure yeah but um there's also in built into this chapter there's this tiny little storyline about one year of this photography festival one of the artists is murdered Right, mm-hmm. and is, is that who it was? One of the artists who'd come to town mm-hmm. is murdered. They don't know who. And it a is. girl disappeared years ago. And they they don't know who it is. And so you're you have some fear that it is Linda's husband, but you find out fairly early that it the the murder was a young man murdered this woman and buried her in the backyard and. Um, then t- uh, told his mother about it a couple of years later. And so after Linda's story hits the news and people are hearing about her husband being charged for, um, for some kind of sexual assault or, you know, when that's coming up in, in question, like did a sexual assault happen? That mother comes and tries to talk to Linda to, to share the conversation with her and say like I'm here for you I understand what you're going through I know what it's like to love someone who had who's done something terrible and she's like Linda's like that is not me go away yeah and I just thought that was so interesting complete denial of of what's of what's happening but not really well, yeah she's just evil too is she evil I don't know well, I just think she makes, again, if we think about what Caroline said about choice, you look at Patty in the life that she has made and you and the choices that she makes, and you look at Linda and her family and the choices that she made, she continually makes bad choices. Um, 
that hurt other people. And Patty, I think, really tries to. I feel like she's a she's a, a fairly happy person, who tries to do good in the world. Whether it's looking after her mom, helping out somebody like Lila, loving Charlie, who's also broken. You know, like she reaches. She, she really tries to to reach out to people who need help in I, some way, shape, or form. I did like that we find out that she and Charlie are together. I mean, yeah. that has its own tra- tragic beginning, how that happens. <laughs> but you just find out very, like, in the in Patty's early chapter, she mentions that she has basically a crush on Charlie. Yeah, she does. And then late in the book, after Charlie's marriage falls apart, you find that they're together. Just, you, you know, you don't see them together. We don't return to either of those characters, really. But you just know from... Um, basically gossip that they're together and gossip with um, one of my favorite characters. I think, I think we learned that in the chapter about Mississippi Mary. So. Oh, that's the lady who moved to Italy, mm-hmm. right? I liked her too. That chapter made me happy and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Y'all want to talk about her next? Sure. <laughs> Caroline. Hey. I'm scrambling to find quotes over here, but then y'all get moved on to the next thing before. Sorry. No, no, no. It's good. It's fine. Caroline, I just, I'm not going to go backwards. Read it on ebooks. Let's go. So she. I'm struggling. Has an I don't like her. I don't like an ebook, but I needed to start it quickly because it was time to pod. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have time to get to the stuff. <laughs> um, Mississippi anyway, Mary. Let's yeah, talk about her. We can move on. Except here, I'll. I'll I'm going to read my quote. Please it do. was from the chapter y'all were just talking about. Okay. Karen Lucy, mm-hmm. the tried and true artist who brings the younger artist who's attacked mm-hmm. by Linda's husband mm-hmm. to town. Do you remember later they meet up? They meet each other. In and the gas station. Gas station. She says, um, Linda, Linda says, um, you know, oh, you scared me. Um, and so they moved together down the aisle away from the foot traffic and tall Karen Lucy spoke down and said, ma'am, as God's truth, after my own tragedy a few years back, I feel sometimes that I have compassion for everyone. I do. It's probably the only blessing that came from that. And I just felt like the, you know, that combined with just there, there are so many instances of, um, you know, I think Elizabeth Strout via her characters just reminding us that life, in fact, a character says, I think it's Shelley says at some point life didn't, life wasn't what she wanted it to be or didn't turn out how she thought it would. There's a lot of that kind of sentiment in the book. And maybe that's what rings so true in part two, because isn't that the case, you know, always. And so these are characters who, you know, feel so out of control and every all these bad things that happen to them seem so out of control and I think she just constantly reminds us that 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 is actually what life is we think life is this controlled thing and that we can control the ending and the outcome and the amount of happiness we get that we're in control of that Mm -hmm. and 
and so I think she proves that we are, but in a roundabout kind of way. So then you, you can't control what happens to you. So all you've got, of course, is how you respond. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you can control the amount of happiness you have. But it's it's hard because life is composed. I think her argument is like, the it, the majority of life is are all these little tragedies, like all these little pains, all these little hurts, all these little if you want to call that some are little and some aren't little, mm-hmm. but, um, so then, you know, what's in between what fills in the cracks in between all of that is that compassion and, and kindness and trying to re- remember, like you said earlier, Janine, that like, everyone is more than, you know, Yeah, and it's just so hard to remember that even yeah. with like y'all and, and, you know, and good friends, yeah. you, you forget you know, that like Tommy in the beginning, everybody's got something, you know, that, that a secret, some, some part of their, their soul or their depth or whatever that is that they don't share with anyone. And it's a big part of who they are. Yeah. And I find that, I just love that. I just think that's beautiful. Just beautiful. That's all. We can move along now. I really love your insights. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I do. And we just think, well, I was about to say, we think of the possibilities, which is the title of the book, right? Yeah. Anything is possible. But you have, you know, you, you do, you have to choose it and you can choose to, I mean, Karen Lucy had, did not have to stop and say that to Linda, right? Like Mm -hmm. she had every reason to hate that woman. But Mm -hmm. I think if you look at the next part of what she says, she says, you know, that I have compassion for everyone. But then she goes on to say, but your husband scared my friend. He scared her bad, Mm -hmm. like recognizing that, you know, I can have compassion, but he's, he scared my friend to death Mm -hmm. and, um, he's still a bad dude, still a bad dude. And I think trying to get Linda to think about that. Well, and that compassion isn't, um, a sweeping under the rug of what's happened or, or even, um, it's not saying something's okay. That's right. I think we confuse that sometimes. Don't I mean not we, but just in general. Mm-hmm. I think we don't teach it to our kids, right? Yeah. I, I think it's. Um, I, I think it's hard to teach to kids, mm-hmm. and and the reason I say that is because my six year old right now, whenever he can tell I'm upset upset with him, he needs me to say like we're it's okay, right? It's okay, it's okay, and you know, in in. A desire to move quickly. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's okay. Instead of having the longer conversation, which, um, not okay, but I love you anyway. Right. You know, so yeah. in the, that's, it's hard to articulate that. It really is. It's, I think you, I think you hit it there. It's, we don't, when we teach compassion and empathy, I mean, we throw those words out as important things to learn. Um, there is this kind of, um, yeah, this this desire to well, if I'm going to be empathetic, if I'm going to f- feel for someone who's a bad person, I can still, you know, the whole forgive and forget. I mean, it's like you, I can forgive. You don't forget, yeah. and even in my forgiveness and my compassion toward you, I still, you know, don't agree with you or or approve or approve or you know something needs to change because this can't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, I can. Um, I, I can understand that you, something so horrible happened to you, or you've got this brokenness inside of you that, that 
can I use air quotes? Air quotes <laughs> causes you to act out in a certain way or make make poor choices. Mm-hmm. Like I can I can I understand that. Um yeah. AC and I were kind of having that conversation the other day on um on a walk. She was talking about a girl in her class who she said was kind of a bully and so Who is I, it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um and how she had she struggles with her. And I'm like, "Well, you know, th- there's probably something about that kid that makes her be a bully like there's something about her and you need to you know i didn't i didn't use the word compassion or grace but just said just try to understand that something's going on with her and to try to be kind you don't have to hang out with her you know but don't retaliate with her meanness with your own but just to just try to understand that she's got something going on you know of course Anna Claire's eight and she's like well she's just mean I'm gonna be mean back mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's what I was trying to just explain to her is that somebody acts that way it's there something is a you know something has happened something is going on in their lives that's making them react that way kind of like with Lila right she responded to Patty in this this flat-out meanness because of her situation and that's what Patty was showing to her later on, not in the immediate, right? But later on is, you know what? I've got to, be, I got to be empathetic. Got to show compassion because this is a kid and she doesn't deserve this. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, and there's no big lecture about it or, uh-uh. you know, I think, I think what she realizes, what Patty realizes is just, it's, she's in control. Like, so this kid used words and called her names, but yeah. That doesn't change who she is. It doesn't mean that she is those things. It doesn't. We do get so caught up in that kind of stuff. You know, there is there's such freedom in realizing that none of that, you know, that that you can just let that stuff go. And yeah. so she does. She just literally yep. lets it go. She doesn't dwell on it. She doesn't think about it. She just moves along and helps this kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like it. I do too. I do too. I do too. Um, Mississippi she got over there, Mississippi Jakes. Mary, tell us what do you? What she did got you over there? Why was she your favorite? She's flipping through well, her book. I'm not sure that she's my favorite. She is a favorite. Did I say she was my favorite? I don't know. I I loved her though. So Mississippi Mary was um, married for a long time. We actually um, meet her daughter early on in the Patty. Angelina. Angelina in in Patty's chapter. Her youngest daughter. She, yes her mm-hmm. angel i think that's important <laughs> yeah there are other siblings who feel differently yes about the, mom's about the mom yeah and her, she's the youngest mm-hmm. and her mom oh i mean like straight up you're my favorite you're my favorite babied her like until she was 18 like tucked her in at night almost right every night was really mm-hmm. and angelina was so um I, her husband would say in love right with her mom and that what her husband said mm-hmm. because angelina and her husband separated because her husband said you're in love with your mom but she was so just really dependent upon her mom in that relationship well dependent upon her and then felt betrayed by her mom's change Leaving. so all of these things so her husband the um angelina's dad is not great we don't know much about him but we know that he cheated on her he was having an an affair 13 years and (laughs) then um we know that mary had a stroke 
right? It was mm-hmm. a stroke. That's and right. Then I forgot. He that. had cancer. And then he had ca- So she, she, she stuck with him for decades, decades longer than she probably should have. But all the she stuff wanted kept to. Him. Yeah. And waited for her children to be grown. Yes. That was also like part of it. So her children were grown. I think probably that's when the stroke happened. And so on and on and on she stayed. And then she finally left and she found someone who she really loves, who's like scandalously, what, 20, 20 years, 20, 20 years year yeah, Italian dude. What's his name? Pablo? Paolo. 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 And he, so she goes to live with him in in Italy and um, Angelina comes to visit for the first time. In years. Yeah. And she was the last to go visit. And is just so angry at her mother and, um, and can't understand, like you would choose to come live in this, what she sees as like this. Um, wreck of a of a terrible apartment that they can only afford to live in because Paulo's ex wife had money and, and she yeah, she right. is affording them to live in this and and Mary's like do you see the ocean there yeah Mary who wears her yellow bikini and yeah. swims just, every day in the ocean yeah it just seems smokes a cigarette a day well that's super interesting right because she smokes a cigarette a day when her daughter comes but she had not smoked. In years, oh, I didn't catch that. Part. So th- it was really kind of quick because they, they, they're in the, they go to buy the cigarettes, and Miss and Mary tells the um, guy who she who she buys stuff from all the time. Oh, these are from my daughter because she because right. you don't usually oh, yeah. buy cigarettes. Yeah, and um, and then she takes a really long time smoking it, <laughs> and Angelina's looking out the window like she's going to come back in now, right? She's going to come back in and. She talks with people on the street and helps an old person okay, across the street. I wanted to mention about that because mm-hmm. that moment in the book, I don't know why, stuck out to me. Well, it stuck out to Angelina, too. Right. I, I guess that's why. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> because she tells us about it. She it does. sticks out to me. Um, uh, she watches her mom from the window upstairs help this old invalid across the street. And... Um, I felt like, and I don't know if she explicitly says this or not. I admittedly read this a little fast and on my iBook. Um, it seemed to me like a moment where she softened a little bit mm-hmm. to her mom. So it comes back to what what is almost impossible to do as children is to recognize that our parents are their own people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that, like that was the moment of seeing her mom in a different light. It's yeah. not her, her mom, but a person a beautiful person who is kind and helps people and is living her life for what she wants to do and it's like her move is the same thing as lila's ugly words to patty right her her move feels to angelina like lila's ugly words felt to patty and so she has to separate that from herself like she takes that personally right like um which you know many people would right i mean like mm-hmm. that we get that but it's not about her yeah mm-hmm. it's about mary mm-hmm. and what she wants and how she chooses to live and that that she can move and choose this life um you know has has nothing to do with her love for her children yeah mm-hmm. you know um and everything to do with what what she's choosing to get out of life and i feel like in that moment angelina kind of gets that a yeah, little bit mm-hmm. she sees that um, and so I just thought that was a beautiful moment. Yeah. I think it goes back to like that soul yeah. that it's just so hard to see your parents that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think as kids, you, you know, 
your parents, their world revolves around you. And it is, for, she said, for 18 years, her mother had put her to bed. Don't leave yet, Angelina would say. Not yet. Like, she was really dependent on her mom. And she was her mom's world. And now her mom has this new world that doesn't include her. Uh-huh. And that was hard. Well, and I think Mary could have somewhat comfortably continued in in a life in which she wasn't completely happy because she has such overwhelming love for Angelina Uh that it I feel like she's almost overwhelmed by it and is almost willing to let herself be eaten up in her and consumed by her love for Angelina and that she has to actively make the choice not to do that to to have her own life and to let Angelina have her own life Mm and and I I just think that they're very interesting characters they they are mm-hmm. and and there's so much there too about where you came from and because was it mary's dad pumped gas or something like that or worked at a gas station or something but there's there's a, a lot in there about how she came from nothing basically yeah. and um th- it's just repeated a lot where where you came from yeah uh and 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 like Impalo didn't come from much either, mm-hmm. and and they're completely happy together. You and I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but I felt like it was emphasized enough that it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I guess you know, kind of speaking of of where you came from, you know, that is you know, I think something that we see quite a bit in the book. Um. That we think about Dottie and Abel, mm-hmm. those, they're cousins of the Bartons, mm-hmm. um, and how they came, you know, we talked about Lucy and the Bartons being really, really, really poor, but that Dottie and Abel were even worse off than they were, and how they, the choices that they made and what they eventually became. Um, one thing that struck me in particular for Abel, because for Abel and Dottie, one of the things that they had to do is they actually had to, like, root through garbage cans to eat like they were that poor that they would go into garbage cans and they would find he talked about leftover steak and he would wipe off the trash and he would eat it just super 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 poor um and how he is now a very successful air conditioning salesman like i think very i don't know if i would call him a millionaire per se but Mm -hmm. you know what i mean a lot of money that he married somebody who was also from money, not also, but who was from money and how he told her of his childhood and his response, her response was don't tell anybody that, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Don't tell anybody that don't tell our kids that. And that was a big part of who he was and where he came from. Um, And he had never before felt shame about it. Like he, when he thought about his childhood, he wasn't ashamed of it. But when she said that, it made him feel shame mm-hmm. for where he came from, mm-hmm. which is something that he had not felt before. Um, and it's a big part of who he is. Because one of the, another thing that stuck out to me about Abel, I really liked him, was his son is a or son-in-law is a really big lawyer and works all these hours and makes all this money. His daughter Zoe married this guy, and they were talking about taxes one day. And he was trying to tell Abel how he can kind of cut her out his t- because they're uh, Republicans. He was trying to talk about how you can. So, I mean, 
Republicans, I'm oh, sorry, tax cuts, whatever. I'm not trying to be political here, um, but trying to avoid paying a lot of taxes. <laughs> uh, that's what they said in the no, book. No, it is. It like, is. He clearly said it I'm was just Republican. funny the way you said that because they were Republican. Because they were clearly trying to cheat on their taxes. I'm sorry. That's not the way I meant it. Um, I know. I'm kidding. I'm or just to kidding. get out of pain. Cut a lot this part out. Of <laughs> Who's going to cut it out? Right. Everybody, be quiet for a minute. And cut. Okay. Um, but and he basically said. I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm not going to do that because of, I think, because of where he came from. Because he knows that this is what he should do as a man now who has means to to do what he's supposed to do and to pay taxes to whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like... You know what I mean? That I'm is... I'm not being political. No, I feel... But that's what he was saying. Like, I... It gets a little political. Like, I think Elizabeth Strout politicizes it just a, just a mm-hmm. smidge yeah. there at the end. And I think um, part of that might be this whole... No one got here alone. Yeah. No one gets to success alone. Um, and even someone like Abel, who had this... What on the outside looks like this terrible childhood... Goes to his cousins uh, um, in the summers or whenever it is, you know, a couple weeks a year. Eats, teaches his cousin how to eat out of the dumpster. I mean, yeah. it sounds horrible. But there's this one line in it. He is able to make the change in able. Oh, He's I able. just got that. <laughs> okay. He is able to make the change in his life because he gets a job at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Right. And the only reason he can get the job at the movie theater because he had a pair of pants. Be- that were way too short, but... One thing about Lucy Barton's mother that's very redeeming is she yep. could sew. Mm-hmm. And so she, she fix, gives him the pants. She fixes right? his mm-hmm. pants and they're long enough. He can get this job. He gets the job and that's what. And so I think that there's something going on about we, we no matter what the situation is, um, all of our success is, is built on the help of s- somewhere along the way. That, yeah. Sure, we're all self-made and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're very proud of ourselves. But we've had help along the yeah. way, too. Yeah. Good point. Um, and I think another thing about, about Abel, too, of just talking about where you come from, is um, a lot of people made assumptions about him because he is a well-dressed man. He makes a lot of money. He has a family. They you know, look like they came from, that he came from a lot of money. And in the chapter with uh, Abel and Scrooge, who was that? Yeah, that's Scrooge? what I want to talk about next. That's yeah. the end. That's the last that's, chapter. Yeah. Um, is uh, uh, just making these assumptions about him. It's assumptions about him, about how you, you know, came from wealth, you married wealth, blah, 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 of, you know, making these judgments about people without knowing you know, who, who they are, that you can't just make these snap, snap judgments about, about people and how, one of the things that he said that Abel kind of said is about his daughter marrying this lawyer and how he didn't fault her for that. You know, he came, she came from a family of wealth because he worked hard and what have you, um, and how he's not going to be ashamed for the choices that he makes because of where he came from. What did you want to say about it, Caroline? Well, I wanted to talk about the end, but she does. I mean, there are lots of places in the book where she talks about class superiority and class and, um, you know, just to go back to the political political slant in the book, I think is very clearly there yeah. all the way through. Um, 
you know, and, and it's Charlie who talks about the crap of class superiority. Oh, yeah. And, um, I, so I, I saw a connection there. Um, but the, um, I wanted to talk about that Scrooge chapter. Okay. So Abel, do you remember he, before he goes back? So I didn't, I'd forgotten about the movie theater, but he, the last the chapter ends when he goes to the theater. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's cool. I think that's oh, clearly full circle. It's a full circle. I think it's clearly um, a, a statement about the value of art mm-hmm. in, in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think that's kind of cool at the end mm-hmm. um, that it that of course that he's talking to Scrooge and, yeah. you know, all of that. That's a- and he tells, um, Right when he's telling uh, Scrooge how he's gotten his money through air conditioning, he says, but I donate to the arts every year. Yeah, yeah that's oh, right. he does make that comment. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's something there. And then, of course, it's the Scrooge character who helps him have this um, beautiful moment of clarity. What's what he says, this perfect knowledge or something that yeah. that he achieves at the end. And that perfect knowledge is anything is possible. And there's the end of the book. Last sentence of the book. Very similarly, Lucy Barton ended. It wasn't the last sentence of Lucy Barton, but like that, the final chapters of Lucy Barton are really short. And one of them, the last line of it is, my name is Lucy Barton. And so I, I just think that's interesting. interesting how she's doing that. She's got her little thing. I like mm-hmm. it too, by the way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are going long. Um, on this podcast so we'll kind of wrap it up but we're not going to talk about all the characters because we are there are several that we have left out like Dottie mentioned her a little bit in Lucy Barton um, her connection with her siblings that's mm-hmm. a great chapter great chapter super duper great chapter and Dottie's where she came from the compassion that she shows to everybody who comes into her B&B including Charlie that's a really beautiful moment between them um, so yeah we just see those themes of compassion and, and kindness and grace, just the possibilities, right? All throughout the book and all throughout the characters. With those things, with, you know, as long as you can count on the fact that um, there will be kindness and there there <clears throat> will be grace and there will be compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, not everywhere, Mm-mm. but somewhere, mm-hmm. then anything is possible. Yep. Um, what are we going to read next? All right. H. So next up, we're going to check out... Zadie Smith's Swing Time, a book I've been trying to get y'all to read for a while now. <laughs> no, I don't know why we resisted for a minute, but we're ready now. So we're going to check that out. And then I think we also kind of said we might check out, you've read it, White Teeth, also by mm-hmm. Zadie Smith, that Janine and I might read that also um, while we're reading Swing Time or before or after, not at the same time. But you know what I mean? <laughs> she is, I mean, she, there is, there's no hidden political agenda in her stuff. She is, she's out there and she's, a lot of really important social commentary yep. to make. So Look forward to it. yeah, it'll be a good conversation. It'll be towards the end of July. Cause we're all going to be out of town here for a couple weeks. Um, so yeah, you guys check that out and we'll, that's what we'll talk about next, but don't forget to rate review and subscribe to us. Um, and yeah, that's it. Okay. Everybody have a good July. You too. See you later. Bye.